Welcome to the Jamoti Podcast. We are all surrounded by amazing coaches and leaders. So let's get an inside look at not just what they do, but how they do what they do. After all, becoming the best versions of ourselves is Jamoti, just a matter of doing it. You've, been, you've had the opportunity to be around so many um, just high-achieving high individuals, high-level. What And I'm sure that you've been able to see some of their daily habits. What are some of the daily habits that set you up for success? Well, there's there's three kind of overarching mantras that I believe unite all high performers. And, you know, I'd certainly like to consider myself a high performer as well. So these are three things that I've really tried to implement in my life. Um, and I've noticed these in basketball and I've noticed them in business. Uh, the first, and this is something I learned directly from Kobe Bryant in 2007, the best never get bored with the basics. And the best always have a strong respect and appreciation for the fundamentals. Um, obviously, in basketball, we know what the fundamentals are. Shooting, passing, rebounding, defending, and handling the ball. Um, but the same is true in business. You know, a, a sales professional needs to ask, what are the fundamentals that I need to work towards mastery of during the unseen hours to be an elite sales professional? You know, the ability to listen, uh, the ability to communicate, as I mentioned earlier, concisely and clearly, uh, the ability to have empathy and compassion, you know, figure out what those basics are and then work towards them. So the best of the best never try to, to leave the basics and the fundamentals. They're always working on them. You know, to this day, a player of Kevin Durant's stature, you know, who is one of the best scorers in the history of the game, still does stuff to work on his, his footwork still does basic shooting form to begin every single workout or practice. So number one is never leave the fundamentals. And I do that with my own speaking and writing in every area of my life. Uh, number two is you have to learn how to earn confidence, but blend it with humility. Um, we earn confidence by getting in reps during the unseen hours. You know, Stephen Curry is arguably the greatest shooter of all time, but he's also arguably the most confident shooter of all time. And I can promise you, he has put more time in during the unseen hours yeah. than almost any other player in the history of the game. You know, his confidence is earned. It's not just talked about. So we have to earn the right to be confident. And we earn that right by repetition, by sacrifice, by putting in the work. But we have to blend that with, with humility. And humility simply means that we stay open to coaching. We stay open to feedback. That no matter how good we get, we still think we can get better. You know, I'm willing to bet if Steph Curry zoomed in and was on this call right now, he'd say, I haven't played my best game yet. Like my best games are still in front of me because he knows he can still get better. You know, I know that I shoot this percentage lifetime from three. I can do better than that. So that humility blend with confidence is a, is a really, really uh, powerful combination. And then the last, and then we'll Quick go back question. to that. Well, okay. Sorry. Quick question on that. Um, sure. Do you think two things? Do you think that the majority, let's just use the NBA, the majority of NBA players have a healthy ratio from earned confidence to humility? And then second, do you think that a majority of high school players know that that's how the best of the best operate? My guess is most of them do. And if they didn't, they would no longer be in the league 
that, you know, and, and we have to keep in mind that both are really, really important. If you skew all the way to the end of all confidence with no humility, then you're, you're borderline arrogant and narcissistic. You yeah. close yourself off to growth. You close yourself off to coaching. That's a problem. However, we've all met players that are all humility and no confidence. They're timid. They're meek. They're scared to shoot the ball. Well, we don't want that either. We want to find a healthy balance. And I think at different times, it will move on that continuum. You better believe if there's three seconds left in the game and we're down one and I'm drawing up a play, an inbounds play, I want the player that we're designing that play for, I want them to skew heavily confident in that moment. I don't need them to be so humble that they're like, well, I'm not going to shoot it. I'm going to pass it. No, we need you to step in and take this shot because you've put in the work to deserve to make this game winner. So I think there's a a sliding continuum there. And, you know, keep in mind that, that some of the best players were overwhelmingly confident on the court, a Kobe Bryant, a Michael Jordan, but it doesn't mean that they lacked humility in the greater sense of they would still like Michael Jordan was still always listening to, to Phil Jackson, as mm -hmm. was Kobe Bryant. Those guys still knew that there were things that they could do to get better. So the, the humility is not taking away from their on court swagger. It's just not allowing them to get closed off to opportunities of growth and opportunities for learning. As soon as you think you've arrived and that, that you are the best that you you'll ever be is the moment that you'll easily start to decline. Man, that's good. Go, go to your third one. Sure. And my third one is um, elite performers. They're crystal clear on their goal or their North star or what it is that they're pursuing. But once they've established that, they put way more of their attention and focus into the process. They respect and appreciate the process and the steps that are required to get there. So they don't focus so much on the goal as they focus on their habits, their mindset, the micro skills, the daily behaviors, the, the, the choices that they need to make. So if their goal is to win an NBA championship, they wake up saying, what can I do today to get me and my teammates just a little bit closer to an NBA championship. They have that brick by brick mentality, which is you don't worry about the wall. You just focus on laying each brick with care and precision. And if you can lay each brick with care and precision, the wall will take care of itself. And it's the same thing with any massive goal that we set. We want to have the goal because it provides direction. It puts it helps put up guardrails and a framework for where we're going, but we need to be able to, to focus on the process of what it will take to get there. Yeah, Kelvin Sampson said, if if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. So it's really important that you do have that. But then like kind of Joshua Metcalf, burn your goals. Uh, having it is great. But if you're sleeping in all day, like I want to I want to for me personally, I like to get in a little better shape, a little leaner as I'm 41 now. Sure. But last night I had trail mix with tons of M&Ms in them. All right. I got the goal. But my process is is lacking. I, I think there's a lot of players and maybe even coaches that you know, goal is to win a state championship. That's great. What are we actually doing to help our players get there and to maximize their potential? And I think I remember you doing the brick by brick talk here at Faith, and I've I've stolen that from you and used it a ton, man. I love it. Well, as you said, you're not stealing anything; you're borrowing, which is perfect. Um, here's what I would say too is. We also want to try to, to reshift so our goals um, are process-centered, but they're also more of things that we have control over. You know, for the most part, I would imagine every single high school program in the state 
starts their season by saying our goal is to win a state championship. Even if it's an unrealistic goal, there's not many coaches that will say, okay, guys, I'm so glad I'm excited for this season. We <laughs> have no chance of winning a state championship. But, but the problem is yeah. that state championship as a goal is 100% external. And it it's so far out of our control because obviously if every team wants it, only one team is going to get it. So instead I would recommend that coaches set goals, things like this. Um, I want each of your goal to be to have a hundred percent attendance at practice this year. Uh, our goal is to make sure, you know, and, and this is, this is beyond my basketball acumen, but you know, we, we want to limit ourselves to less than 12 turnovers per game that every time we have less than 12 turnovers in a game, even if the scoreboard isn't in our favor, we won that segment of the game. I want every game for us to out-rebound the other team by four. I want every, you know, our goal for every game is to shoot six more free throws than our opponent shoots. Or, you know, uh, I want our goal to be a certain uh, assist to turnover ratio. Those things are much more in our control. They're things that we can measure and feel good about, even if we lose the game. Yeah. Any good coach will tell you, you know, if if you win the turnover battle, you win the rebounding battle, you make extra passes so you're getting assists. Like if you do all those things, you will win more games than not because those are the things that actually lead to winning. So what it comes down to is let's make our goals much more focused on the things that lead to winning, not just winning itself. Because we all know times where you lose a heartbreaking game by three and you go back and you said, man, our team played so hard. Yeah. They played so smart. They were unselfish. They were focused. We just didn't make some shots or maybe the other team was simply better. And we have to find ways to look at that type of game as a, a proverbial win because we did everything right. Conversely, there'll be times where you're playing such an inferior opponent that you win by 12, but you played awful. Players were sloppy. Yep. They were lazy. They were casual. They were selfish. You just won because you had more talent and that should not be celebrated. That should not be reinforced and emphasized. So we, we have to be very careful about letting the scoreboard determine how well we're doing what we're doing. I know that we all prefer to come out on the positive end of the scoreboard and, and no one will argue that winning feels better than losing, but it's a very dangerous slope. If the only goals you set are to win a state championship or certain number of wins. Yeah. I think maybe the art of coaching is being able to, to define success for your team and, and it can be defined in different ways. I mean, just to go back to, when Scott Drew took over our program my senior year, we had six scholarship players. We weren't even allowed to go to postseason. So coaches, just think about that. Here, you're, you're meeting with your team for the first time, and not only are they dismantled, and, and there's really little talent in the room, and they've gone through tragedy, they also know before the season even begins, hypothetically, if we would have been awesome, we can't play in, in postseason. What's the motivation? Like, why do that? So you have to define success. And that year we were eight and 21 and we were ultra, ultra successful, not by maybe the world standards or what you see in media, but we were successful because maybe, maybe success for us was uh, showing up every day, like you said, and, and giving your best, believing that we're building something for the future. Uh, we're helping other, play, other players succeed when we may not in that moment. And sometimes, man, when everything's against you, showing up, that's success. 
And yeah. and you got to define that. Well, yeah. And you need to define it for the team, as you just said. So we can say, all right, guys, you know, um, and, and make this something that all of the team kind of has some input on coaches as well as players and say, all right, let's look at the factors that usually determine whether or not you win a game. Well, certainly valuing the ball is one of them. So what do we collectively think is a fair number of turnovers? It's like an over-under. Um, uh, rebounding, obviously, is a big portion of the game of basketball. So we want to we wanna out-rebound our opponent. Um, playing great defense without fouling. I mean, if we're always putting our team in the bonus in the beginning of the second quarter. The bull strategy. Yeah, we want to uh, take make sure we're taking good shots. You know, I mean, ultimately, if you look at basketball, to, to break it down in its most simplest form, on offense, we want to take the highest percentage shot possible. On defense, we want them to take the lowest percentage shot possible. If those two things happen on most possessions, you win. Like there's very few things that are possible. Now, there, there's nuance to that because we have to say, okay, what is the highest percentage shot possible for us? Well, that depends on your personnel. That depends on the type of offense you run. Um, and what's the lowest percentage shot for them on defense? You know, are we giving up points in transition? Are we playing Ole defense where we let people drive straight to the basket? Are we not rotating and letting people get wide open threes? So there's a lot of nuance to that, but ultimately that's a determining factor. So from a team standpoint, I think we a coach should have some of these markers of what we consider winning in each of that. Then you need to do it on an individual level, you know, because what winning looks like for your starting point guard is going to be different than your 15th man. But you need to be able to sit down with your 15th man and say, here's here's what I need from you to give us the best chance to be successful. I need you to attend every single practice. I need you to be high energy and kind of a coach on the floor. I need you to uh, push the starters. I need, you know, and come up with what you need from each player so they know their exact role. And then you hold every player accountable and your team accountable. And you praise the things that they're doing well, because that which gets praised gets repeated. And you coach them up on the things that they're not doing well. And you let them know, guys, we set our over-under on turnovers at 12. We had 21 turnovers tonight. We lost by six. That is not a coincidence. We didn't do the little things that lead to winning, and therefore we didn't win. So I think creating those types of goals is way more important. But you will see a correlation between how well you do those things and what the winning and losing looks like from a record standpoint. Thank you for checking out today's episode. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your fellow coaches, and find us on social media for what's coming up next on the Jamoti podcast. It's just a matter of doing it.